Uh, the passage this morning is from Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as Otis. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. It's Matthew. Uh, let's go now to God in prayer. God in heaven, thank you so much for your word to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place and bringing us together. We ask, Lord, that you would meet us in this time. We ask that you would be glorified by our worship. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak through me by your spirit. That you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear you and to see Jesus as you showed Jesus to the Ethiopian. Please, Lord, uh, bless this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm Terry Dykstra. I'm not the normal pastor here. I think most of you know who I am. But for those who don't, I am the RUF International Campus Minister uh, at the University of Texas. If, that, if you don't know what that means, if that's confusing to you, a probably more helpful way to think about me and what I do is to think of me as Grace and Peace's pastor to international students. This is my third year in that role, and uh, it's been an exciting start to the year. Uh, we had a welcome party a couple weeks ago where we had 17 new students come, which was really exciting because that was way more than any other event we've done in two years, uh, in addition to the new students who came. And we had at the different events we've had so far this semester, we've had students from over 16 countries and five of the continents, um, not counting North America. We don't have any international students from North America yet, but um, just want to encourage you with that. And if you have a heart for missions, if you have a heart for international students, I would encourage you to come find me, come talk to me about how you can partner with us. There are several families, several people here who have partnered with us already in hosting students at their home for a dinner or for a game night or for a movie night. Uh, so those are certainly things you can do. We're going to have a Thanksgiving event in a couple months. So if cooking is more your thing, but you don't necessarily want to have people over, 
Uh, definitely plan on providing a dish for that. But also every week we meet for dinner and Bible discussions. And we've been getting dinners from like Austin Pizza, Chick-fil-A, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but if you would like to provide a meal for one of those uh, in the next, in the coming weeks and months, talk to me about that. would love to, to try to make that happen. Um, just to give you a way to partner with us and to get to know some of these international students. You know, it's a really cool ministry. I really enjoy it, but it's also, and I tell students this, I don't want to be the only American you know. I want to help you get to know other Americans and to be in other American homes. So if that's something that you want to do, if that's something that sounds exciting to you, please come talk to me, and I would love to help make that happen. Again, I hope I'm grateful for Grace and Peace's support. I'm grateful for the partnership of several of you in this ministry. And when John asked me to preach this morning, I wanted to come and share with you how God is at work. And so obviously he has brought new students into our midst. We are more diverse than we've been in my time here. But I also wanted to share with you that God is at work because in RUF, in RUF International, several of you are either in RUF or have been in RUF you know that one of our foundational beliefs is that God is at work. And this is a foundational belief for us because, yes, like, it's easy to remember this. It's as easy to believe this when things are going well. Even, like we see in this passage, it's easy to see, like, yeah, of course God is at work. Like, the gospel's spreading, spreading to the nations. But it's a good reminder, too, when things are not going well. It's a good reminder when we have a bunch of students come to a welcome dinner and then the following week only have like four students show up to a game night or to a Bible discussion or something like that. We don't just believe or know that God is at work when things are going well, but he is at work all the time. And so as we look at our text this morning, we're going to see three ways that God is at work. We're going to see that God is at work through his people. We're going to see that God is at work through his word. And finally, we're going to see that God is at work through his son, through Jesus. So first, we're going to see that God is at work through his people. This book, we're, we're taking a break from Deuteronomy just for this week. Uh, but the Acts, the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles is the longer name of it. The subtext of this book is God working through his apostles, through his people, there are several commentaries out there that say Acts of God could even be a better name for this book because God is using his people throughout history to establish his church, to spread the gospel, and to make himself known to people who need him. Again, in our text, there's no question that God is working through Philip. Of course, the angel directs him to the place where he would meet this Ethiopian, where he would hear him reading Isaiah, and the Ethiopian asks him about what he's reading. And he's very clearly reading about Jesus, which we're going to get to in a moment. But people, of course, are why we're here. God gave us the church to bring us together as people, to be, as we say here, a gospel-formed family for the city of Austin. And he's made us for relationship. The only critique that God had of his creation when he made all things in Genesis was what he says in, verse, in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he made woman out of man for him, and he made us and gave us the church to be in community together, to know each other, to share our gifts, share what God has given us with each other. 
One of the cool things that usually happens for those of you who have hosted dinners or anything for us is students almost always ask, like, hey, how do you know these people or how did you meet them? And so then I get to share, well, we go to church together or I know them from another church in town. And this is what, as Christians, we believe the church is, that God would bring us together to make us a family with, you know, the shared belief in Jesus, but also that we could have fellowship and communion with each other. And God gives us the church because he works through all of us. And what we see partially in this text is that he's going to work through his people. It may not look like it does for Philip, but all of us here this morning, God is working through us, and he will work through us and will use us. He doesn't just use guys like me and John who went to seminary, took some extra classes, and whose job it is to do ministry, but he uses all of us to do ministry. When I was an intern in RUF, my campus minister said, we want to be working ourselves out of a job. We want to be equipping the students to do the work of ministry, not so that we can just chill or whatever, but that's what ministry is. It's equipping each other. It's coming together and saying like, hey, like, Christianity is not just for specialists. It's not just for hired assassins for the word. It is for us. It is for the people of God. And it's a good thing when God is at work. Just speaking for myself, I know if it's up to me, I don't listen to God all the time. I definitely don't obey God all the time. I'm more focused on my own kingdom and how I look as opposed to how God looks. And I forget what God has done for me and in my life. This is what it looks like when people are at work or if it's just totally up to us. We fall short. That's what sin is. But when God is at work, he works through everything. He even works through our failures. And we see this throughout the pages of Scripture. I always find myself coming back to Hebrews 11 because that's the hall of faith. And there he commends Abraham and Moses and David and plenty of other heroes of the faith. It's, that chapter is called the hall of faith. And nowhere in that chapter does it say, yeah, Abraham did all this good, but he also lied about who his wife was to the leaders and the lands they were. It doesn't talk about how they fall short because God uses the ways we fall short to make himself known because God is at work. God does not fail, even though we, even though his people do. But as we come back to our text, of course, Philip doesn't seem to fail. In the first part of chapter 8, we didn't read it, but if you have your Bible in front of you and want to peek at it, Philip, before even this passage, he's preaching to the Samaritans in verse 6, and it says that the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said, and that there was much joy in Samaria in verse 8. Even Simon the magician, a pagan magician, believed what Philip was preaching and teaching in verse 13. And all this is happening because God is at work. Of course, any of us, whether we're in ministry or not, would love this kind of success and guidance in our vocations. You know, for, for the voice of the Spirit or the voice of an angel to tell us exactly what we have to do, exactly who to marry and what job to take and what city to move to and how to succeed in those things. That's not how it works. Even when it seems like we have failed or we will fail, God is at work there too. Before, before I went to seminary, before even really 
realistically considering it, I really struggled with, uh, and this is something that goes back to even before I became a Christian, but I really struggled with um, this idea. I felt like I was a fraud because of my sin before I became a Christian, and wrestling with the call to ministry, I kind of have the same feelings of like, who's going to believe me? Like, I know myself, I know where I fall short, and I would just like put a black mark on whatever God is doing if he uses me in ministry. I'm so thankful for my campus minister that I interned for because, you know, I told him this. He knew also about my conversion story and about kind of that underlying theme um, within my spiritual life. And he told me, Terry, if you repent, God is going to use you that much more as a trophy of his grace to show people that, yes, like, you have failed, but also that God has worked in you and is working through you to bring you to himself and to save others and to show others that, like, look, we're not called to be perfect. God does not expect us to be perfect. God knows that we are sinful, knows that we are broken, and he loves us and redeems us and brings us to himself through his son. God is at work in the places that he's brought us, and he's at work in the circumstances and things that we're going through, even when those things are failings. He's at work in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our church. He's at work here, in our workplaces, in our schools, where we work out, our friend circles, and our families. The truth is that because God is at work, there is a plan and there is a purpose to the things that happen, even the things that we would consider failings or that we would consider mistakes. God is sovereign over those things as well, and God is going to use them. The plan we see here in our passage this morning is the spread of the gospel to all the nations. This is the beginning of the gospel going out, which, as the RUF International Campus Minister, is really exciting to see the first steps of the gospel going out from Judaism and going to the nations, going to this Ethiopian that Philip meets on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here God, through Philip, through his people, is taking up his own mandate from the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. That is what we're called to. And again, you know, if you are not sure how to do that or are looking for ways to do that, come and see what RUFI is doing. Come be part of what we're doing in any of the various ways that you can do that. What we see in this passage is that God works through his people because he cares about his people. If God just cared about results, he could have made robots to do his work. He could have just made us unfeeling, unmoving taskmasters that would accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. But instead, he made us, and he made us with our personalities, with our preferences, with our gifts, to use them and make himself known. Again, it's not just for one type of person. It's not just for one race of people or people from one place. It's for all of us and the way that he made us. The Apostle Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12 about the church as a body with different parts. You know, we have hands, we have eyes, feet. You can't just have a body made up of hands or a body made up of feet. That would be a monstrosity, among other things, but it also would not be able to do all the things that our bodies can do, right? And one thing that I want you guys to understand is we think about, okay, God works through people and he's going to work through us, but like, 
how, how is he going to work through us? What is that going to look like? I'd encourage you to ask yourself and to think about who has God put you around? Again, my role, we moved here, Mary Rose and I, to take this job with REF International to minister to international students coming to UT. But, you know, it doesn't just stop there for us or for me. God's also put us in our neighborhood around the people we live with. He's brought us to this church. And he's put us in our Camp Gladiator groups the same way he's put you guys in your schools, your workplaces, the places you work out, the places you like to hang out. So think, why has God put us there? Why has God given me the ability or the desire to, I don't know, go kayaking or to like go on hikes or be outdoorsy or whatever the case may be? Perhaps God has made you that way to use you that way, to make himself known through you. And saying all that, yes, we all have room to grow. I have room to grow. But the good news and the encouragement that we can take from this passage is that he will use us, and he will use us as we are, and in doing so, will bring us closer to himself. Again, he's not asking us to come perfectly, to know what we're doing, to be experts. You know, one of the things with this job it, there's definitely temptation to feel like, all right, like, I got to go out there. I got to, like, let you guys know, like, hey, everything's great. Everything's awesome. But, like, I'm still learning how to minister to international students. I'm still learning what type of events work. I'm still learning when events work um, and where. And that's okay, you know. Like, it is my job, but even for all of us, you know, with different jobs, with families, with all this kind of stuff, God is going to use us. And the good news is that though God works through us, though God works through his people, he doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't give us, doesn't leave us with nothing, but he has given us a guide. And we see also in this passage that God works and speaks through us by working through his word, by working through the words of his scripture. God directs Philip through direction from the Holy Spirit. It is verbal and vocal, and he sends him to the road to Gaza where he meets this Ethiopian eunuch returning from Jerusalem. And there's a lot of similarities here even with students coming to UT. I haven't met anybody who is right hand to their country's king or queen or prime minister, but these students are also coming here with a lot of influence. They're coming here as ambassadors. And we have such a unique opportunity to share the gospel with them, to explore the gospel with them, that they may return to their home countries as ambassadors of God's kingdom, but also citizens of God's kingdom and his children. As Philip finds this Ethiopian, he hears him reading Isaiah, and he's reading a passage about Jesus, which we're going to get to more in a second. But, you know, this is the encouragement that we have, that, like, it's not up to how clever we are. It's not how eloquent or how well we present the gospel that is going to save people. I even tell students, like, You know, come to our dinner and discussion. Just come, like, see what the Bible says. I'm not trying to trick you into believing anything. I certainly don't have the ability to make you believe something or to even, like, get you to understand. But my hope is just that you will come and see, that you will see what the Word says. And that's because I believe that God is at work through His Word. Gordon Ramsay, who's a famous English chef and TV star, um, one of the few quotes that I can share from the pulpit of his, 
is let the knife do the work. You know, he tells like these aspiring chefs or home cooks, whatever the case may be, to let the knife do the work when you're cutting something. Don't, you know, it's not about like hacking it and like too much like arm movement. He's like, hey, like it's sharp, it's got a blade. Let the knife do the work. And that struck me because that's true of God's word as well. Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Ephesians 6 says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. You know, we have, we have a guide that tells us how God is going to work, but we also trust that God will work through the pages of scripture. That, hey, if we, if we share this with people, you know, maybe they're going to walk away from it like the rich young ruler, like Nicodemus, like other people throughout scripture. But the hope is that God is going to let his knife or his sword do the work and is going to cut to their hearts and make himself known to them. But the fact that God works through his word does not put us off the hook. It's, it's both, right? We're, we're not just called to like hand out, not that this is bad necessarily, but like I'm not trying to call anybody out, but we're not just called to like hand out Bibles and be like, all right, be on your way, I'll see ya. But like God calls us to be in relationship and to explore his word together in relationship. And he does that because God is at work through his son who he sent to be in relationship with us. Of course, this is not totally a new point from God working through his word. The Gospel of John begins by saying, in the beginning the word was with God and the word was God, which we understand to be a reference to Jesus. God is working through his word and God is working through his son. And God does work through his people and through the pages of scripture because his work for us, his work to bring us salvation is already done in Jesus. Look again at what the Ethiopian was reading in verses 32 and 33. It is Jesus, God's son, who lived righteously. It is him who has denied justice and who took all the punishment that our sins deserve. His life was the one who was taken away from the earth. And some of us might come to that passage and say, that doesn't look like God is at work. That's why those in Jesus' day even said to him, hey, save yourself, or give us a sign, or call down angels to save you, or as even Satan said to him, turn these rocks into bread and save yourself if God is really at work, if you are really the son of God. Even Jesus' disciples, the people who spent the most time with him, who followed him during his ministry, asked him, okay, are you going to restore Israel now? Like, if God is at work, Israel should be restored politically, socially, all that. But it wasn't. Look again at these verses. Let's, let's read them together. It's from Isaiah 53. It says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. In the following verses, the Ethiopian asks Philip, about whom does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And look what it says in verse 35. It says, Philip, beginning with this scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. And we might think, really, like, this is the starting point for Jesus? Again, like, does not seem like good news, does not seem like 
a good story. We might think there's got to be a better, more uplifting, more like feel-good way to start talking about Jesus. But Philip could start with this one because God works through his word, and God made himself known through this. We might think kind of the rest of our passage is more what God being at work should look like. We, think, we might think it should look like wildly successful evangelism. We might think it'll look like hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit tell us what to do. We might think, you know, for me, reading the scripture, I'm like, man, my job would be so much easier if I could just, like, heard international students around UT's campus, like, reading Isaiah or reading some other part of the Bible. Like, yeah, that's who, hey, like, I got some stuff for you. Why don't you come, come check us out? But this passage in Scripture, you know, and Philip using these verses from Isaiah show us that God's ways are not our ways. These verses from Isaiah show us that God is at work, that God himself has endured injustice for us. It is God's Son, the innocent, who receives the condemnation so that all of us, all of us who are in him, whose faith is in him, might receive freedom and receive life. And this is God's work, to reconcile people to himself, to reconcile those he made, those he loves, who are his enemies by nature and by our birth, to reconcile us and to make us his children. It is Jesus, it is the suffering servant who humbly and silently made a way for us. But we might struggle with that. We might struggle and say, it's just really hard for me to buy that God is at work through this kind of injustice. And while, you know, our passage looks like, yeah, it's easy to sign off on God being at work there, the beginning of chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9, if we read all that, we might think God is not at work. Chapter 8, verse 3 says, Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. And verse 1 of chapter 9 says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder, against the disciples of the Lord. You know, if that's our frame of reference, we might think, how is God at work through that? How could God work through horrible things, through suffering, through evil like that? We can believe that God is at work because our bad days, even the worst days, even situations like this, are not the end of the story. Of course, God prevails over Saul. Saul, who became Paul after his conversion, wrote most of the New Testament. God continues to use him and use the words that he wrote to reveal himself all across the world. And the suffering servant who we read about from Isaiah 53, who the Ethiopian was reading about, he wasn't just humiliated, he wasn't just wiped off the face of the earth, but he is right now, right at this moment, seated at the right hand of God, at the position of power. And scripture tells us that he is also present with us here as we are about to celebrate coming to the Lord's table. It's not the end of the story, but this table, and as we participate in worship and communion, shows us that God is at work and that his work is continuing in ways that we cannot even see or understand. God is at work because the work is done. And it's why we can start with this passage. Because Jesus made a way for us 
to be right with God and made a way for God to use us to continue to make himself known all across the world. It wouldn't be a sermon for me if I didn't quote the Jesus Storybook Bible. I love it, but here it comes. The Jesus Storybook Bible ends by saying, John came to the end of his book, but he didn't write the end because, of course, that's how stories finished. And this one's not over yet. So instead, he wrote, Come quickly, Jesus, which perhaps is another way of saying to be continued. And friends, God's work continues. God is still at work through his people, through all of us, through grace and peace. And he is at work in churches and people all across the world, through his people, through his word, and through Jesus. So let's remember that and think about that as we come to his table and as we proclaim that God has done the work for us through his son. Let's go now to God in prayer. God in heaven, thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are at work in us and through us and for us. Please, Father, meet us in this time. Please help us and use us in the work that you are doing. And please, Lord, guide us by your spirit, guide us by your son to bring us ever more closer to you. We pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.